Therefore, therefore, why does he say therefore? <laughs> Gosh, Paul, didn't you know there was supposed to be a chapter here? Mm-hmm. I want to get that. Let's get that one sentence prior to it. Uh oh. <laughs> Just one? Four, right? <laughs> no, ye of little faith. Paul would say. Ye of little faith. Why is everybody always picking on me? It will be reckoned. What is it? Righteousness will be reckoned to us who faith, exercise faith, in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our righteousification, justification, raised to make us righteous. Therefore, since we are righteousified by faith, Justified by faith. We have peace, Irene, the end of againstness, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory. And that's where we were. That was pretty. That was one of the fastest catch-ups we've done yet. You're lucky, Linda. That's where we were. They're <laughs> 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 like finally when Paul. Yeah. They're giving a rough time. Yeah, you're doing it. <laughs> Through whom I want to hear the King Jimmy here on verse two. New King Jimmy Carroll, please. Verse two, first half of it. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. By we have access by By faith into this grace in which we stand. By faith. And the question was, why does the NRSV and some other translations leave by faith out? And why do some include it? And I took a look in the textual apparatus of the Greek New Testament here the Nestle Elan, and I came up with the following. Now, remember we said that periodically we will notice that there are textual reasons why translations differ. Mm -hmm. Various source manuscripts will produce various different readings. Usually they're not important. This time it's not, but it's still interesting to look at. Verse 2, without the inclusion of the words by faith, tepiste, in Greek, tepiste, Without the inclusion of the words by faith, which is what the NRSV says, is supported by manuscripts Vaticanus, manuscripts D, F, and G, and several others, fairly minor. So, the NRSV translators and the the editors of the Nestle-Alon Greek New Testament judged, based on the antiquity of Codex Vaticanus, which is one of the very earliest, dating to the mid-300s, judged that that may very well be the more likely reading, that there was no by faith in this particular sentence. 
There are two variant versions of the inclusion of by faith. And the, the fact that there are two variants is part of the reason why the editors judge by faith to be not very likely. The first one is in te piste. They, instead of just depending upon the part of speech to determine by faith, they added the preposition, which then includes the meaning by faith. So in te piste, by faith, is found in the marginal correction for Codex uh, Sinaiticus, one of the other very early manuscripts. Codex Alexandrinus, an early one and very important for Paul. The Latin Vulgate, certain manuscripts, and some of the church fathers which quote the scripture that we have their quotations. Wow. Two very important early manuscripts. One, the corrector's notice in the margin, adding in, by, to te piste, by faith. And Alexandrinus and Vulgate and Fathers all support the idea of adding the preposition by and by faith. Another version of the variant, the other one, is it adds te piste, by faith. And it's supported by the original text of Codex Sinaiticus. See Psi 33, 1 the majority of Greek manuscripts and the old Latin text. Based it upon adds it in or it was already there? It's in there. It's okay. found in it. So all of these manuscripts, the original version of Sinaiticus, which is one of the earliest full copies of the New Testament we have, C, Psi 33, the rest of those numbers, the majority text and the old Latin, Latin translation, contain by faith. Now, was the old Latin translation before the Vulgate? Yes. The old Latin translation is actually anybody who translated the Greek into Latin prior to Jerome. And there were about as many people who could speak Latin as there were mm -hmm. translations. Because anybody who could speak Latin and wanted to study Greek translated the New Testament. And in their own translation added to the compendium of various old Latin copies that existed. And there was no rule or guide as to how you said something. So it varied greatly in some places, but some things were pretty standardized. So, which is it? Well, the editors of the new Nestle Alon, and I looked up their editorial notes, they said that they, they, they put it in brackets in the text because they questioned its authenticity. Because of the strength of Vaticanus not including it, they tended to lean that direction. And because these two differed on the, on the inclusion of a preposition. Those two reasons. However, Sinaiticus includes it, one with the corrector's notice, and Alexandrinus includes it, which is a very important manuscript for Paul's letters. The Vulgate includes it, the Old Latin includes it, the majority text includes it, the Fathers include it, some other later manuscripts include it that are also important. 
Most translations, like the King James, are based upon this one. Mm -hmm. The NIV are going to be based on this one. And the NRSV is based upon without it. Um, I have my own opinion. I tend to prefer to include it for theological reasons and also because Alexandrinus is very important for Paul's letters, as is Sinaiticus. While I like Vaticanus' strength, leaving it out in Vaticanus is annoying to me. Theologically, it's important. It, it adds meaning and weight to the text, to the, to the, to the actual content. So because Alexandrinus and Sinaiticus included in a variant form one or the other, plus there's a lot of other references, I'm going to outweigh Vaticanus and go ahead and say and agree that it ought to be included. So the NIV and the King James and the NASB, which all included in one form or another, would be the one to follow. The NRSV, which both of you all have, over there and which I have and what I have printed here in front of me don't include it so I, I have to add that here through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand um, by faith should go through whom by faith we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand possibly read it what, in King what James reason would these Sorry. Have for omitting it? why would they omit it why, why would why would these guys right here omit it. If it were a choice offered to them. See, that's one of the arguments in favor of the omission being the original. There's no good reason why you could see that they would take it out, except for a possible theological one, to emphasize the passiveness of the reception and the obtaining of grace. Whereas to include it, it, they, they would say uh, that these guys would say, oh, include by faith, and you're saying that you have something to do with mm -hmm. obtaining grace. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, that's true. <laughs> you have to be open to receiving it. You have to be active in exercising it. So theologically speaking, it's consistent with the rest of Paul to say that grace is received and exercised in your living. By faith belongs theologically to Paul's thought. And the folks up here who say it, who, who don't think it ought to be long, say, well, there's no other good, I can't see a good reason why it would be left out. So maybe that's the original reading. Why would somebody take it out unless it wasn't there to begin with? And then they could make an argument, and it got added in because of the theological necessity of, of making it agree with the rest of Paul. Well, reading his, it doesn't have it. It he gives more the Oxford. Oh, he has the Oxford Annotated yeah. Edition? Oh, the RSV. He has the, the RSV. RSV. Yeah, and it doesn't, it, you know, the RSV and Oxford not having it, it does sound, when I was just looking at it, 
it it looks like it gives more. That's exactly what I was going to say. It looks like it gives more credence well, to through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's here's the theology. Not us. Through whom we have okay. Therefore, since we have just we have we are justified by faith. See, there's the by faith right there. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom Jesus Christ we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. It's Jesus Christ who provides us with the access to the grace in which we stand. All right, that's the theology theological affirmation that, that makes us more passive in its reception. The focus is on Jesus Christ. Now, to include it, I want to read it from the NASB. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand actually puts more of the emphasis on our action mm -hmm. in responding. Now, to be blunt, that's Pauline. <laughs> the idea that you have a role to play in exercising faith and making the connection of faith to receive God's grace is very Pauline. But the editors of the Nestle Lawn said it is so clearly Pauline that the reading that has more trouble theologically, you can't figure out why they would change it to make it more problematic, therefore that must be the original reading. But the way uh, this R N R NSRB has um, yeah. written it, they, they haven't ended the sentence. It's an awfully oh. long sentence. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Maybe yes, that's it is. why they didn't repeat by faith. You see, that is... It starts with it. You know, that would be... That's a long sentence. That well, it's a long, it's it's that's long in Greek too. Um, that is part of part of the reason why I could go either way, but I tend to lean towards including by faith, because including by faith here in verse two does coordinate with verse one, and does coordinate with Pauline theology better. Not that it doesn't coordinate without it; it's just it coordinates better with it. Okay, what's the difference between that first part, we have been justified through faith, and then being saved by our Lord Jesus Christ, which we have gained access by faith? I'm not getting the, the real significant difference there. It looks like we're going to be active both ways. They're not. There's no difference. That's, what I'm getting, that's why I said at the very beginning, in the end, it's almost irrelevant. It's a shade, a nuance of difference putting a slightly greater weight on our exercising of faith, a weight that was there in the preceding verse, even. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our access by faith into this grace, to this grace, in which we stand. Some would say that standing also is our action. It's still coherently Pauline. Either way. And we boast in our hope. That's not wishy-washy hope. That's uh, hope, faithful hope. 
We talked about this last time that in Greek the word elpis, hope, is not wishy-washy hopefulness, but a certain hopefulness, a faith-based hopefulness. Because of our past experience, we know this will be true. We boast in our hope, our expectation, our faithful expectation of sharing the glory of God. Experiencing our glory, the glory of God. Taking part in the glory of God. Receiving the glory of God. All those ideas are congruent here. That's good for anybody to give them that suffering thing the next time. <laughs> so verse 2 then takes you from justification to sanctification. From being declared righteous to actually experiencing the righteousness of God transforming us, remaking us, remolding us into a greater and greater likeness of Christ Jesus himself. And not only that. And not only that. But we also boast in our sins. Paul! Now, come on! We talked about this once before. He does we seem to always hear. Paul! Next week. Why in the world did you have to do that? I, I was fine with this. We had grace, we had faith, we have hope, we have glorification, the idea of being sanctified, being made righteous, declared not guilty, having that not guiltiness become part of us. Then you have to go and ruin it, Paul. <laughs> America's telling us we have to enjoy our suffering. Not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings. I don't like that. I like boast better than rejoice that it says here. Yeah, Yours says rejoice. Yeah. Mine. Rejoice again, I say rejoice. Huh? What other? It says glory in tribulations. Mm -hmm. Glory oh. in tribulations. Oh, yeah. Glory in tribulations. Mine does too, but no, back in the other one. Tribulation worketh patience. Go back to boast. You're rejoicing yeah. in the hope of the glory of God, but we're, we're glorying in the tribulations. And, and Rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God and glorying in the tribulations. That's what the New King Jimmy says. Glory in tribulations. And it also says, glory in tribulations. It says knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Mm -hmm. I don't want my Well, see, that's where those end of timers got that. That must have been relevant to what they were going through. Yeah, there were mm -hmm. lots of Suffering, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. Exactly. And not only that, but we also boast. How about you translate that word boast a little better? Boast. Uh, glory. Glory. Rejoice. Rejoice. Boast. Boast. <laughs> Proclaim, speak about, affirm, declare. Brag is the word we use now. <laughs> uh. Brag, it would be the pejorative concept therein. I, I, uh, that's how most people think of when they think of the word boast. I don't think that's how Paul means it here. I want exalt. Exalt? Oh, good. Oh, boy. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a suffering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, triumph. 
in our troubles. Triumph in our troubles? Well, that's good. Hmm. We boast, we, we declare for people to see, we boast in our sufferings, we glory in our sufferings. We rejoice in our... We're happy we're suffering. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> only well, for, not only if we're dishonest. Really <laughs> to say that. I mean, to me it seems as though it's more of, you know, you're, you're boasting in, in God, in the glory of God, because you've got your eternal perspective, and that's what your hope is. And it shouldn't matter what's going on. So even when you've got tribulation going on around you, yeah. you're boasting and you're glorying should not diminish because of what's going on. The it's not saying that you should be happy and boast that you're getting tribulation, but regardless of what Thank you. is around you. The word regardless. It, yeah, it shouldn't affect your, your boasting, we your attitude. We experience being made righteous. We experience being transformed by God's righteousness into the likeness of Christ. We experience the glory of God. We share in God's glory. Therefore, regardless of the tribulations. Rather than translating it as glory in tribulation, glory during through, tribulation. Through. through it. Through it. Yeah. Because it builds character. That's what he's getting well, to. That's what he's getting to. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. I can really comment on that one. <laughs> Not characters, Rich. Yeah, character. You got it too, didn't you? Man, I'm telling you, I ought to be one heck of a character. <laughs> you have a lot of character. Lisa, what does it say? Testing. It says testing, which is interesting. Testing? Yeah, and our endurance, a testing, and our testing, hope. Ah. And our hope is not to shame. Hmm. And endurance produces character. Yours says testing. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And endurance produces character or testing. And character or testing produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us or put us to shame. Because, and here's why. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Because we have received the love of God poured into us, into our hearts, into our soul, into our cardia. Not splagna. <laughs> not into our bowels, but into our hearts. Cardia. Which, got to remember, what was the seat of thought and intellect in Paul's day? The cardia. The emotions was the splagna, the gut, poured into almost our thinking soul. That sounds passive, Greg. Well, it does, doesn't it? I'm just saying. <laughs> and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into us, into our hearts, through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So we have our confidence buoyed, our experience buoyed, even in the midst, even going through the crap of suffering. We have the hope of glory. Because we have obtained the declaration 
not guilty. Because we have received God's righteousness, not just imputed, but now imparting into us, and we are experiencing Christ's presence and the transformation that comes from that, we can go through the crappy time, proclaiming our hope and glory, knowing that going through the crappy time helps to continue and further our growth in faith. And we are not disappointed by the growth of our faith. And God's love is pouring into us. Like when they pinched all those joys. <laughs> and, and they started singing. It is. It's the exact same thing. You know, when they, they just, they went out. The theology of well, Dr. Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> But it is. It's, it's the truth, you know. And all the, the who's and, who's and all the who's and Whoville uh, stood around and still sang, <laughs> even though they had no toys, even no, though they had and no, no toys. roast beast. Uh -huh. no. That's that's suffering through. I mean, that's still dealing with the tribulation, but understanding that it it was not the presence that made them happy. It was their being together. It is the so. If it weren't for the Grinch, then they wouldn't have that type of character and glorification. And if it wasn't so, Grinch, so the Grinch was a means of grace. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which means that other guy, you know, in, in the book we're going to read. <laughs> oh, you're pushing, credit, it, you're pushing it. You're pushing it. You're pushing it. Giving credit, man. All right. The passivity of what you said, the love of God being poured out in our hearts, that, that makes sense to me because that is a passive. We're totally on the receiving end of that. But what makes that start flow would be like if we had an effort of turning the water spigot on. That's where our effort of faith goes. It just provides the opportunity for the water to flow. And that water or that love of God is flowing. We don't have anything to do with... Turning on the water spigot does not generate more water. It simply allows it to flow into you. Right. It's like it doesn't create water. And plugging it into the outlet, it allows the electricity... To flow it doesn't time. generate the electricity. Right. It just makes the connection which allows it to flow. And isn't that what faith is all about? It's Precisely. making that connection. And then you're the passive receiver of all those blessings. And, and we call that grace. Absolutely. In one word. But you do have the power to turn the switch off is what you're saying. Uh, and if you do, you're... We so frequently do. Exactly. We refuse or to plug it in. We refuse to plug it in. We, we, we pull it out. Pull it out when we refuse to partake of all the wonderful means of grace God has for us. We refuse to read scripture and worship together and fellowship together and serve together as the family of God. We disconnect ourselves from, from the source of love. We disconnect ourselves from the Holy Spirit who pours God's love into us. But I think she, she was correct in the fact mm -hmm. that like a lot of times when you're talking about Tribulations, though, if, if if we were to say that problems happen, a lot of times when we when problems do happen, we instead of opening up the flow more, we close it off because we make it worse. Yeah, yeah, because we start thinking, ah, oh, you know what? There's a problem. Oh no, I've started saying, God, I need a lesson in this. <laughs> you know, just bring it on, get that's, it out. But, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's responding. That's responding to the in the way that brings bring it on, growth. God. That's that is an example, perfect example of verse four. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Mm -hmm. You just you just illustrated verse four perfectly.
Oh, I learned on that one. <laughs> just get it over with, God. I'm ready. Bring it on. <laughs> That's an illustration of sanctification. Right there. For a while, we were still weak. Other translations for the word weak there. Without strength. Without strength. Mm. Helpless. Helpless. Powerless. But not mm. dead. Hmm. Helpless, weak, powerless, without strength. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, while we still were sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The true prodigal son. Yeah. That verse 8 right there is probably one of the most critical, important. Hello, Susan. It's probably one of the most critical, important, powerful verses in the Bible. We want to think about forgiveness and we constantly want to go back and think about forgiveness and salvation and righteousness even after having heard what we've already gone through in the preceding verses we constantly want to hear about them as something that we have done and that we have earned receiving forgiveness that we have earned Jesus that we have done something to make Jesus love us and want to forgive us. And that says not baloney. That says baloney. Verse 8 of chapter 5 of Romans. But God proves, demonstrates his love for us. God commendeth his love. Commendeth. God commendeth, proves, demonstrates shows forth his love for us in that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. It's very much Johannine. This is one of those points where Pauline theology and Johannine theology really converge. The idea that lost in darkness, the light comes. Lost in darkness, the word comes forth to remold us and transform us, to, to, to save us, to rescue us, to die for us. But God proves his love for us in that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, it's one thing, you know, to die for someone who's made an attempt to be good. I've really tried to be righteous. I, I kept the law. I kept the feast days. I had my kids circumcised. I did all the good things. I was a good Pharisee. Jesus ought to die for me. I've earned it. I've earned the place of getting forgiveness. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've done the best I can do, and now God, Jesus, is going to die for me. God owes me. No. No. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. I mean, you know, I'm not going to die for some self-righteous person, Rich, are you? No. <laughs> Probably not for a righteous one either. <laughs> but God proves his love for us and that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. While we were still missing the mark. Isn't that kind of, isn't that verse 7 kind of a silly thought? Well, what, what does it mean? I mean, you know. Very rarely willing to die for a good person. He's covering himself. Well, the idea was in, the point of that? in in Jewish messianic expectation, the thought was the Messiah was going to come and establish right worship and a, and a right religious community for those who've been working hard to obtain it. Um, the Essenes were working hard to obtain perfection. The Pharisees were working hard to interpret and apply the word of God, and the Messiah was going to come to usher in the kingdom of God for them, the righteous people, in their own view. And he's speaking, he's writing this part of Romans here to the Jewish Christian community that is coming right out of that Pharisaic, Judaistic stream and thinking, Christianity and Jesus is an add-on and we, the good Jewish Pharisees who have now become Christians, we deserve Jesus. Well, and couldn't he also be comparing how limited and how uh, ineffective we are as people? We won't die for even a good person, no, no. but God died for everybody. God, Jesus came, God and Christ Jesus how lowly came, we are to house and die for sinners. Humans might die for a good person. And the Pharisees thought that they were righteous <laughs> and therefore God the Messiah would come to deliver them. Well, it's not being good and righteous that gets you deliverance, and it's not being good that gets you the deliverance that comes from the death of Jesus. It's that you need it, that you're a sinner. But isn't it also the, I mean, I, I agree with you on that totally, but, but the thing that, that strikes me about it is that it's, it's because of love. It is the strongest... It, God is willing to say, you know, in spite of all of that, I love you. Mm -hmm. That's a bigger statement than I think. I, it, verses, you, you could wrap everything up in that, you know, and just verses say. Verses 6, 7, and 8 follow from verse 5 where it talks about the love of God. Mm -hmm. For while we were still yet, we were still weak, follows directly from verse 5. Looking back now, Jesus came for us while we were still sinners. It is kind of silly to make that statement that he makes here in verse 7 because that's the way that people were thinking. You had to be righteous for the Messiah to come for you. You had to be good for him to die for you. Well, no, that's a ridiculous thought. Well, isn't Messiah comes for people who need him, yes. Isn't that still the case with the evangelistic group?
groups of people, the hellfire and brimstone, you know. Well, it, it leans into works righteousness. Yeah, it leans into works righteousness. You, you, know, you will do this, 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 and this, and not do this, and not do this, and not do this. Yeah. And God will love you. Baloney. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And sinners here, you're in a condition of separation from mm -hmm. God because of made that faith connection that you still were separated from God and once you you act in faith you're then a saint who's and so you're no longer really a sinner you may sin but you're a saint who sins you're not in the condition that you Critical distinction you there. as a sinner so it's interesting how he's using that word there because the sinners truly are separated from God they haven't mm -hmm. had that peace they haven't they're falling peace. short right but those of us who have accepted the grace, you're no longer falling short because you're in Christ, therefore you're a saint. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to still sin. You still sin, perspective, but... You're yeah. not a sinner. Right. But you're still falling short, aren't you? I missed something. Well, so long as you're living by grace, exercising faith, you're not falling short in that principal characteristic. You may still sin, but you now exist in a different relationship with God than a fallen short sinner. But that relationship's always growing... Right. Toward the end of the oh, race. Absolutely. Okay. You've got, and we've got a long way to go. Mm -hmm. But you're no longer a sinner. At least you're in the race. Well, I uh, think you are. Yes. You're a saint who sins. There you go. You're no longer a sinner who's not a saint. You're that rich, you're a saint who <laughs> sins. Hear that, Lee? You're, <laughs> Lee, <laughs> Lee, you're a saint that sins. Oh. <laughs> and, and oh, I thought it'd be the other way. <laughs> 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 a saintly sinner? <laughs> and, and we will be so until we can leave this body that is the vessel of our sin. Um, we are saints who sin simply because we live on this earth. And once we can leave this behind, then we can more fully have a personal relationship with God. And we don't have all this garbage in yeah. our way. Yes, exactly. Good, good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, but, but we are the garbage. The we idea, made it that garbage. Yeah. Well, exactly. the self-will is definitely the garbage. Okay. Um, the, the idea is, is that in this life here, we can experience growth in God, growth in grace, growth towards and within that glory, still mess up sin, and yet that doesn't blow us out of the relationship with God because of God's grace. You've got to dive into the blowing out <laughs> to, uh, to experience that. And then you're not finished until, if ever, until you set aside this and enter into glory yourself. So where would the guy that wrote this letter put himself? Paul? The chiefest of, sin, of sinners am I. <laughs> he knows that he sins. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So even the greatest, and struggles, the greatest examples we've got. And struggles with it continually. Mm -hmm. Oh, wretched man that I am, he said at one point. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? Thanks be to God. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified 
by his blood. Will we be saved through him from the wrath of God? That's interesting. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. In two different translations, the one the NASB, one the NRSV, it reads like future tense. Mm -hmm. and, so does mine. And it does in the Greek. Interesting. We, don't, we think about, I mean, I, I was in an uh, area of town, well, it was, it was in a hospital over at Parkland, and there's this guy out in front preaching. And as I walk by, he says, Sinner, have you been saved? We think of say, being saved as something that's past. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved. From the anger. From the wrath. From the from wrath. wrath. But from the point is, is it's, it's, my point is, it's reading his future. Let me read it back again over here. Uh, we much more sure, surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, we will we be saved through him. Not we are saved, but we will be. Or have been saved. This is uh, how much more shall we be saved, which just sounds like what you're How saying. much more shall, we, shall be we be saved from God's wrath? How does the King James read? Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Shall, shall, will. Shall. We shall. How much more shall? From it's a comparison, looks like. Through him, from the wrath of God. Salvation from the wrath of God. Uh, Vernon was telling us about how much love God poured into us. Just, just <laughs> two lines and, ago, and you know, everything on love, you know, and because <laughs> of that, because of that, we don't have to be concerned about the wrath of God. Well, Jesus died for all sins, past, present, and future, even those we have yet to commit. Those that we're committing now are committing about 25 minutes. <laughs> Those that we want more frequently than others. What? You don't have to admit everything here. <laughs> this is not so open confession. Is my halo showing again? We are saved. Let's put it this way: salvation here is being talked about as a process. Not some, uh, something that you have attained. Oh, goody, I have attained salvation here. Let's put it on my shelf. Mm -hmm. I'm done. Now we can get on to the next task. No. Mm -hmm. Salvation is a continual process, mm -hmm. which includes salvation from the wrath of God, from the ultimate wrath of God, from the eternal wrath of God. Because God has poured his love into us, because we have been declared righteous and have received the, the imparting of righteousness 
Because by faith we have gained access to this grace in which we stand. Because the Holy Spirit has been the channel through which God's love has been poured into us. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have been justified by his blood. Will we be saved through him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, which is what was being said back up here in verse 8, while we were enemies, interesting language, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life, Zoe, all that the Zoe of Christ, the life of Christ, the power of Christ, the presence of Christ, all that Christ and all who Christ is, is contained in that concept there. We will be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast, there it is again, in God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So it's two things going on. I mean, not only are you, you know, you're saved because you're declared righteous, you're saved from a future event, which is that wrath of God, but not only do you have that to look forward to, you also have a present now experience that you can live through boasting in, in the glory that is now within you from that pour, outpouring of love that you talked about that's manifesting itself through us every day. And that which saves us in the end is that which we experience now, the, the, the life of Christ, the Zoe of Christ. We but will the, be saved by his the life. The emphasis on, is on experience again. Uh-huh. And the process. You, you can't just receive it. You've got to go through that process and faith. Faith. You got active nothing. belief. you got nothing if you don't yeah, have And that faith. takes you back to the sentences where in beginning of the chapter where they talked about going through the testing period, going through whatever, whether it's tribulation or not. You still have that same boasting, glory, and faithing, loving God through you. Even in the midst of the tribulation. I prefer the modern translation here of tribulation as crap. Even through the crap. That's the Greg Neal version. Even through the crap. That's the special edited version. <laughs> the version that can't be read on Sunday. It's Greek, isn't it? Greek. Crapola. Italian. You should just say GNV and then just let people spend time researching. I've never heard of that one before. Is this boasting emphasis in response to something earlier? I apologize for just dropping in, but I'm oh, seems to hit it up a couple of times as opposed to being it's meek and mild or whatever. It's appeared once before. It's being it's being sure and certain. That's that essence of hope. Sure and certain faith. Being sure and certain of it so much so that you're willing to proclaim it, glory in it, reveal it to others. It's the certainty of hope. 
that we're talking about there. Live it, I said. Yeah, live it. <laughs> we think of boasting, I think, differently. I think when like we see the, the word boasting the now, we have a different <laughs> connotation of what that means. Bragging. Yeah, mm -hmm. than what I think yeah. it was meaning back then. It doesn't mean brag. Not in that mm -hmm. sense. Not so, it's not a braggadocious idea. <laughs> it's it's to let that be what does yours use uh, the King Jimmy there? But more than that, we even boast. Verse eleven. Verse eleven. And not only we so, but we mm -hmm. also joy in God through yeah. our Lord Jesus joy. Christ, we also by whom we have now joy. received the atonement. <laughs> Other rejoice. Rejoice is what we had again. That's what we had last time to mm -hmm. boast, was rejoice. Happily complain, proclaim. <laughs> Happily complain. Oh, no, <laughs> proclaim. proclaim. <laughs> Rich, there, he almost had your statement there. You said, happily complain. Happily proclaim. Funny how that mind works, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's Freudian or not. <laughs> yeah, that's close. Whiners Anonymous. <laughs> not whiners, whiners. Okay. Therefore, it's interesting how Paul is continually linking these things together. Mm -hmm. It's hard to stop. Therefore, just as sin, and this is where it's really getting deep. Therefore, just as sin mm -hmm. came into the world through one guy, <laughs> one Adam, one stupid <laughs> Anthropu. Would have been okay. Through one Anthropu, which is Adam, the man. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all because all have sinned. Interesting how he's. He's mm -hmm. building this almost like an equation here. Mm -hmm. Sin was indeed in the world before the law, but sin was not reckoned there when there is no law. That equates with what he said earlier about the law. Yet death exercised dominion from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgressions of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Who's that? The one who was to come. Exactly. The typology here, you have the first Adam, the first man, the first Adam, Adam, the idiot. And you have the second Adam, Jesus. And Adam is the type of the one to come. It tells us back in Genesis that he was made in the image Yep. Of God. Of God. <laughs> but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died, we're, we're not going to get much further. <laughs> For if the many died through the one man's trespass, <clears throat> the many died. Through one man's trespass? Death well, spread sure. to all, yeah. man. Everybody because everyone him. has sinned. Nobody didn't nobody made it. Except that one. Enoch. 
Elijah. Except for those. <laughs> when that one went up in the water, you can't count that one. Are you throwing pins <laughs> at Carol? It jumped out of my hand. For if the man, if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift of the in the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. That word many, does anybody else have a different translation? There's not many periods. No. <laughs> nice long run-on sentence here, Paul. <laughs> In my notes I have, um, he's leading up to the idea that um, no one has the right to say, Adam made me do it, for all are culpable. Oh, darn it. Oh. Man, you can't say Eve made him do it either. Yeah. I didn't say that. <laughs> oh, but only true. Adam said it. So only Adam. Here's the you amplifier. You guys have been repeating that for Here, centuries. <laughs> hey, but it's true. Here's the, here's, the, here's the amplified Bible's version of verse 15. That is a very long sentence there. All right. But God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. His grace is out of all proportion to the fall of man. For if many died through one man's falling away, his lapse, his offense, much more pro profusely did God's grace and the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound and overflow to and for the benefit of many. He just, you just made it three times. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was very helpful. Yes. <laughs> what verse did you read to? That was verse 15. Just verse 15. <laughs> <laughs> In the Amplified Bible. Wow. Kind of makes you think of the New Living, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I was reading that. Are you getting yeah. yours? Is that New Living? No, that's RSV. In RSV. Yeah, no. oh, you have Living? Oh, God help me. Read the Living, verse 15. <laughs> oh, it's, what a contrast between Adam and Christ who has yet to come. And what a difference between man's sin and God's forgiveness. For this one man, Adam, brought death to many through his sin. That's a palisade. But this one <laughs> man, Jesus Christ, brought forgiveness to many through God's mercy. The palisade. That the end. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's shorter than yours. I think you yeah. went through 16. And I have yeah. one. No, through. that's... <laughs> Went through the <laughs> <end of> <laughs> Verse 15, from here to here. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I think mine's shorter than that. <laughs> Read your verse 15. But the gift is not like the transgression. For if by that one person's transgression the many died, how much more did the grace of God and the gracious gift of the one person, Jesus Christ, overflow for the many? Sounds to me like the gift and the transgression are pretty much the same. You know, they both affected a whole lot of people. Right? One was in response to the other. Right. Mm -hmm. The gift is in response to the need generated by the transgression. By the offense. By the offense. Okay. One man. Mm -hmm. Started all. And then and one since man one, ended it. And since one guy did it, yeah. one, one heavenly man. guy undoes it. And overflows it too. Oh, mm -hmm. Let's go back a minute. Okay. If sin was in the world and God created everything, so God created sin. Um, were you getting the in the world? No, I'm just saying logically, 
that God created sin and thus death through one man's mistake. He created man with the ability to have free will. Mm -hmm. When and human beings exercise free choice of to trust or not trust God, Adam and Eve in the story in the garden decided they were going to trust the serpent and not God. And when they did that, they introduced themselves by the act of not trusting God. Not obeying. The concept of the reality of the effect and result of sin. God created the universe, the world, in such a way that enabled that free choice. The free choice then generated, when it was misused, then generated sin. God was an enabler to sin. <laughs> oh my! You just said that. I heard it right. Wait, 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 wait! wait. <laughs> Makes it better for me. We've just gone to a whole new level. God, God, God created the universe in such a way that with the misuse of freedom, with its misuse, sin is generated. Had the freedom not been misused and trust in God been maintained, sin would not have been created. Had he not enabled the free choice, it wouldn't, there would be no sin. And if, he had, and, it, and if he had not enabled the free choice, there would be no faith and there would be no love. And there would be no, no missile Christ. Either. Because that's right. There would be no. There would be. There no would be sin. no us. Yeah. <laughs> there would be no need for tribulation, would there? Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. To build but, character. Well, it's the same as we have the free will to be law-abiding citizens or not to be, and if we break the man's law, we suffer. And we're free to do that. And yeah, we have that freedom, and God gave man that freedom. It would get caught. And the, byproduct, <laughs> and the byproduct of that is the pride. We right. the consequences. You can break the law and do great. Mm -hmm. But uh, as long as you don't get caught. They know that in Washington. Very well. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to say <laughs> I think the, we're going we're gonna to come back to this next time. Your point is well made, Lee. Well, I want to even go further than that. Okay. A lot of people think that Adam and Eve was mythology. A teaching method, right? Not absolute truth, not not historical, yeah. but truth in the sense that they they say they tell the the condition of us relative possibly, to God. Possibly, it's possibly that's the purpose of the story, therefore, as articulated. But right, but not the truth, but a myth. I don't consider a myth to be necessarily an untruth. I don't consider a myth to be absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> you you two agree then, obviously. <laughs> uh, we're going to come back to this very point, this very paragraph here, beginning at verse 6. Of course, we can also look at anything earlier if we wish. But the second Adam, the first Adam, and the introduction of sin. You make a very good point, Lee, in that the the creation itself provides place for sin to enter. And it does so because God valued faith and love as a freely given thing. In order to receive faith and love in response from humans, we have to be given the choice and the capacity to not do so. Otherwise, it's not really love and it's not really faith. 
it's required. We would be puppets. We would be puppets. It would, it's required obedience then. Like angels. Like the angels. Well, that, I was thinking about that, and that, yeah, because and if you if, if you go back in time from Adam and Eve to you know before Adam and Eve, yeah. and you talk about well, God created sin, you know that what Lee was saying that created the ability to, for sin as well. You go back to to Lucifer, and he was an angel, mm -hmm. and he worshipped God. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we think of angels as not having free will or free choice. Some but apparently. Some, do and At some, some point, don't. obviously, he did because he and a whole slew of others with him revolted. Jewish angelology says that there are two classifications of angel. There's the simple angel, and then there's the archangel. And if you ask, if you read in the Jewish writings, especially the apocalyptic writings, about the angels and archangels, the archangels have the freedom of choice. The angels do not. So the archangels are like the high-ranking officers, and the angels are like the foot soldiers. The, 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 yeah, the angels are like the foot soldiers. Mm -hmm. And so Lucifer, being an archangel, had the ability to decide not to trust God. And Gabriel and Michael also had that ability, but they decided to trust God. And therefore, the third of heaven that was under Lucifer fell with him because they were under his control. That's the Jewish apocalyptic and uh, angelistic interpretation of those stories. Uh, I don't know if that is true. There's certainly not much Bible to support it. It's all apocryphal. But it's interesting to it's think interesting about It's interesting you say that. apocryphal because that was part of the scripture. It's certainly the scripture that was... Well, it's part of the, not the intertestamental apocrypha, but the, the, the larger apocrypha, the, the deuterocanonical texts that that don't fall in the Catholic Bible, for instance, which Susan has here, but in um, in the, the the manuscripts and the books of the Jewish faith that were never close to being canonized by the Jewish people themselves, like, well, for instance, Enoch. The Book of Enoch was greatly beloved by both early Christians and by Jews. But since the Book of Enoch was originally written in Greek, it was never a candidate for inclusion in the Hebrew canon. It was a candidate for inclusion in the Christian canon and was excluded. Kind of a little weird. But <laughs> it's also very fascinating to read. And in that book, you get some of that stuff. And you get some of it in the, you see some of it in the Mishnah and some of it in the Talmud as well. In interpretations, why do some angels seem to have free will and some don't? Some don't because they're simply angels or demons. Some do because they're archangels or archdemons. And that's the answer that the Jews have. listening to a Bible study by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of St. Stephen United Methodist Church and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2008 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information or to listen to other seminars, Bible studies, or sermons by Dr. Gregory Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org.
you are also invited to visit us in person at St. Stephen United Methodist Church, 2520 Oates Drive, Mesquite, Texas, 75150. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.